Come on, are you glad you came to church today? Anybody excited to be here? Well, we have the awesome opportunity uh, about every two or three months, we have the opportunity to uh, dedicate children to the Lord. And uh, we, we don't believe that this, um, this is not a significant thing in, in a way that it saves your child. Uh, this is a commitment that we make as parents to say, hey, we are going to raise this child to know God. We're going to be an example. Uh, we're going to set an example for them, and we're going to lead them to serve and love Jesus. And so we do this uh, about every three months. We have opportunity, and uh, we have a few families today that have made that decision and, and let us know that that's what they wanted to do with their children. So I'm going to invite them, if you are a part of uh, if you are a part of one of those families that is dedicating your child or children to the Lord, will you come on up here and you can just hang out. You can stand down here at the front and look out at all these amazing people. So awesome. And if you are extended family and you want to be down here uh, for picture's sake and things like that, you are more than welcome to come down here. All right, um, we have, do you want to, do you want to talk about this? We, we, we do this every, every single time because it's, it's a reminder. We keep this in the office here at the church because it's a reminder um, of how many months we have with our kids. And there are 216 marbles in this jar. And from the time that they're born to the time they turn 18, really we're entrusting or God has entrusting us with these little ones to make a difference in their life and to put them on the right path. And I was, um, if you'll hold this for just a second, I had pulled up this verse because when we were in when we were in worship today, uh, there was there was a moment when we were singing where the the Lord reminded me of this verse as we were preparing to uh, to dedicate these children and pray over them. And this is in Psalm one twenty seven, and verse three says, children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from Him. And what a, what a perspective um, to have that children are a gift from the Lord. Come on, how many of you know that sometimes, we, we have lots of people in our church that have kids. How many of you know sometimes kids, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll push your limits, and uh, they'll frustrate you sometimes, and uh, sometimes you're thinking, oh my how are we going to get through this season of our life? But at the same time, uh, we have to remember that, that children are a gift from the Lord, that they are re a reward from Him. And when we take up that responsibility, even I believe it's Proverbs 22, 6, that says, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. And uh, we believe in that wholeheartedly. And so we have, um, we're going to pray and ask you to stretch out your hands, but um, we have a, a couple of things that we want to give to you. Um, to the parents of the kids. Uh, the first thing is we have a certificate of dedication, and so uh, this is just something significant that you can keep if you want to frame it, if you want to um, do something with that, just to, to symbolize and remind you of the day that you made this decision. Um, so every time you look at it, to be reminded of the way that, um, hey, on February the 20th, 2022, we made the decision that we were going to raise these kids to love and serve Jesus. Amen. And so I want to give these to you guys. And then we also have, um, there's that, there's that. And on here too, um, the, it has the spiritual 
uh, meaning or connotation of your child's name, and then also the scripture that goes with, with their name as well. So we believe that's significant. Um, what you're, when we name our kids, sometimes we, uh, we don't think about when we're naming our kids, we're speaking something over them. And uh, it's important for us to know what it is. Every time, you, every time you say that child's name, that you are speaking that over them. And you are declaring God's word over them. And so that's just something for you to keep. We also have, um, my wife has, has these, uh, there'll be two here, right? Yeah. These are um, a Jesus storybook Bible. And then there's a little book in there that we give away every single time. It's praying circles around your children. And it's just a little, I mean, it's an easy, easy read, but man, it is so, it is so important that we pray over our kids, that we pray for, um, man, I've heard story after story after story, and you can even look these up online, where um, people that have prayed over their kids, and they didn't even realize it, but they were praying for the future spouse that was going to come into their kids' lives, and, and the Lord has shown parents things over the years, like, man, I don't know why we were praying for this specific name, but it ended up being the person that they were going to marry one day, and so I would encourage you to every single day take time to pray over your kids and speak life over them, um, even in the midst of, of frustrating times and difficult times, speak life over them, and we believe that it truly makes a difference, amen? So we want to, we're going to pray, and uh, I would encourage you, if you're out here, if you're sitting in the congregation, will you just stretch your hand this way? And just join us in prayer. And we're just believing God that uh, he's going to give strength and ability and courage and uh, all the things that are needed as we, as we parent our kids. And we're just going to come into agreement with you that, uh, that every single one of these kids are going to be raised to love Jesus. And they're going to serve God with all their heart. And they will never walk away from the truth. Amen. Do you believe that that's possible? Amen. So let's pray over them. God, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you for each one of these little ones. Lord, we believe that they are a gift and a reward from you. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to, uh, to join together with them and just believe. And we speak life over them. We speak health over them. Lord, I pray for the parents of these kids right now that you would, uh, God, that you would give us the strength and the courage and the boldness and the wisdom to know what to do in each situation, God, that we would always turn to your word, that we would train them up in the way that they should go, believing that when they are old, they will not depart from it. God, help us to establish a firm foundation in their life, God, that we would read your word to them and we would speak life over them. And remember that every time we say their name, there is something that we are speaking over them that is significant. So, Lord, we just thank you for... We thank you for health and life, Lord, that they are going to be incredible, powerful, world-changing people as they grow up in uh, just in the knowledge of you and knowing you and placing their faith in you. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said amen, amen and amen. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> are you looking at me? He says, there's that guy talking again. There's that guy. He's always talking. I, would, I was thinking about this. We keep this, um, we keep this here at the church, and it's always a great reminder for me, but this may be even something that you want to do if you're a parent and you have kids. Um, I had, 
read something or had somebody tell me one time, they said, every time a month goes by, they take one out. And it's a visual reminder that this is how many more months I have with my kid. I need to be intentional. I need to be investing in that time. So uh, that's a significant thing. And, and I think, I don't know about you, I'm a visual person. And so when I can see something like that, it, uh, it reminds me, even in that moment, to say a prayer or uh, to, to begin to think, hey, have I been being intentional in this area of my life? So uh, I want to uh, let you know kind of where we're going, and then we're going to jump into the message today. Uh, today and next Sunday, there are a couple of messages that I feel like the Lord has put on my heart that are kind of some standalone messages. And then when we get into the month of March, we're going to be doing a six-week series on the book of Galatians. And so we're going to be going through that. And that's going to lead us up to Easter Sunday, which this year is on Sunday, April the 17th. And I uh, wanted to just mention that because in the weeks to come, uh, we'll be giving you some information because we uh, usually change our service times and we create more space for people. And here's what I want you to encourage you to do over the next couple of months is to pray for those that, uh, that will be walking into not even just this building, but, uh, but churches and buildings all across our county on that day that maybe have not been to church in a long time or maybe they've, they've been running from God or maybe they, uh, they're seeking hope in their life and they don't know where else to turn. And that God would, would do something uh, just so significant in their life. Uh, maybe you have family members that you're planning on you know, bringing with you on that day. Be praying for them. I believe that God can do something amazing. Not just on Easter Sunday, on every, every day we can pray for them. God can, can reach them. But specifically on Easter, there's just something about it that people are a little more open uh, to being a part of a church service and uh, really celebrating, even if they don't completely understand what they're doing and i'm just believing that god's going to speak to them and do something significant in their life so um today we're going to begin in second samuel chapter 11 if you have a bible or it'll be on the screen behind me and we're going to read this story this passage from second uh, samuel and then there are a few things that i felt like the lord uh, brought out to me that i want to share with you today that i think are going to uh, not only encourage you, but challenge you in some ways. And so we're going to read several verses here, and then we'll talk about it, and then we'll be in a couple other places uh, in Scripture as we go through the message. But Second Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1, this is what it says. In the spring, at the time when kings march out to war, David sent out Joab and his servants with the whole army of Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and strolled around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and he was told, This is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to him, he slept with her. Now she had just purified herself from uncleanness. Then she returned home. And the woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. At this, David sent orders to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab and the troops were doing with the war. Then he said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the palace with all his master's servants. He did not go down to his house and David was told Uriah did not go home. Haven't you, haven't you just arrived from a journey, David asked Uriah? Why didn't you go home? 
Uriah answered, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my master Joab and his soldiers are camped in the open field. How can I go to my house to eat and drink and sleep with my wife? As surely as you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. Stay here one more day, David said to Uriah, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited Uriah to eat and drink with him, and he got Uriah drunk. And in the evening, Uriah went out to lie down on his cot with his master's servants, but he did not go home. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter, he wrote, Put Uriah at the front of the fiercest battle, then withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and killed. So as Joab besieged the city, he assigned Uriah to a place where he saw the strongest enemy soldiers. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of David's servants fell, and Uriah the Hittite also died. Joab sent to David a full account of the battle and instructed the messenger, When you have finished giving the king all the details of the battle, if the king's anger flares, he may ask you, Why did you get so close to the city to fight? Did you not realize they would shoot from atop the wall? Who was the one to strike Abimelech, son of hard word? (laughs) Was it not a woman who dropped an upper millstone on him from the wall? So he died in Thebes. Why did you get so close to the wall? If so, then you are to say your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead as well. So the messenger set out and reported to David all that Joab had sent him to say. The messenger said to David, the men overpowered us and came out against us in the field, but we drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's servants were killed, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead as well. Then David told the messenger, say this to Joab, do not let this matter upset you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and demolish it. Encourage him with these words. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. And when the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. I want to talk to you for just a few moments. I've titled the message this, if you're taking notes, When One Thing Leads to Another. When One Thing Leads to Another. And here's point number one, if you want to write this down. It's simply this, be present in your season. Be present in your season. We can look back at verses 1 through 5, and we see that verse 1 says, In the spring at the time when kings march out to war, David sent out Joab and his servants with the whole army of Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. And then we see that, that David wasn't where he was supposed to be, which led him to see something that he wasn't meant to see, which led him to do something that he wasn't meant to do which led to consequences that he was never really meant to face. All because he was not where he was supposed to be. And when we read verse 1, we immediately can see something is not right. Something is wrong with what's going on in the story immediately because it says this was the time when kings went out to war. That this was the time, and David is a king, and this is the time when kings march out to war. But instead, David sends out Joab, he sends out all the servants, he sends out the whole army of Israel. But it says that David decided to stay home. In the season when kings are supposed to be going out to war, David, who was a king, decided to do his own thing. 
And I wonder how many of us would be willing to say that we have done things that we shouldn't have done and we have not done things that we know we should have done. And as I was thinking about this, uh, some examples that came to my mind were maybe that you knew the Holy Spirit was telling you not to go there, but you went anyway. You knew that it was a bad idea to hang around and make those people really a part of your inner circle, but you did it anyway. You knew that you were supposed to invest in a deeper relationship with your kids at the age that they're at, but you chose laziness instead of intentionality. There have been portions of our lives, if we were to be honest, where we know this is what we should have been doing, but because of whatever reason, we were not doing it. That this is where we should have been at this time, but for whatever reason, we have decided to not do that. And we see this with David. In verse 1, we can immediately tell the writer is saying, listen, before you even read anything else that's going to happen in this story, this was the time when kings were supposed to go out to war, and David, who was the king of Israel, sent everybody else out but decided to do his own thing. And I came to encourage somebody today that you need to be present in your season. You need to be where it is that God has called you to be. David's supposed to be at war. It was the appointed time for kings to be at war. He remains at home and he is somewhere that he shouldn't be. Sees something he shouldn't see. Does something he shouldn't do. And faces consequences that he shouldn't really have had to face and I was thinking about some reasons why we find ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time anybody ever felt like you were in the wrong place at the wrong time sometimes it's un it's in our own uh, in our own doing that we find ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time when God had said hey you, you know you felt that you ever felt like you weren't supposed to do something like you were about to step into something and there was something inside of you that was like mm, that you just you just had a check in your spirit you know that's the Holy Spirit or you felt, like, you felt like, man, I don't know why I feel like I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to step into this or I'm supposed to do this for this person. Or I'm supposed to be at this place. And you're like, it doesn't make any sense, but it was the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And this happens in our lives probably more regularly than we would even like to admit. Because some of us have become so good at, at quieting the Holy Spirit the voice inside of us that's like, hey, this is where I've called you to be. This is what I want you to do. This is, what I, this is not going to be good for you. And so some of the reasons why we find ourselves doing that or we find ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time could be because of laziness. We're just not willing to put in the work or be intentional to that degree. And so we've decided to do our own thing and kind of sit back in laziness. There's even scripture that talks about living according to the flesh instead of walking according to the spirit. And so that's another reason that we're not, we're not, we're not yielding to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And so we're walking. We've made the decision, I'm going to walk according to what I feel, what my emotions say, what I like, what I want to do. And so we're living according to the flesh and not the spirit. could be that you're just distracted a lot. It could be selfish desires. Maybe it's priorities. Maybe it's a lack of discipline in your life. And you used to be a disciplined person, but you've just kind of started doing your own thing. And so now there's a lack of discipline that is causing you to find yourself in places that you shouldn't be in. When God is saying, no, this is the time that I've appointed for you. This is the season that I have you in right now. Because the word, I found this interesting that the word that we translate in this translation of the Bible as time, it's a Hebrew word that's also translated as season. So it can even read that this was the season 
for kings to be at war. That God had appointed this time and this season, and this is what kings were supposed to be doing in that season. And so David, there's the season that he's supposed to be at war, and David decides to do his own thing instead of doing the thing that has been appointed for him to do. And I want to ask you this question today, what season has God appointed in your life right now that you may not be embracing? What season are you supposed to be investing in in your life right now that this is the season that you are living in? Is it a married season and instead of investing in your marriage in this appointed season, you're flirting with temptation? And God says, no, you're, like, you're in a married season right now. This is, this is what I've called you to. You've made a vow. This is, this is the person I have brought to you. And so in this season, you're supposed to be investing in your marriage, not flirting and doing your own thing and, and flirting with temptation and just kind of, well, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. Are you, are, you, are you present in that season? Is it a season with young kids? And instead of being present to build this foundation in their lives, you know, there, there's, a lot of op- there's a lot of opportunity for you to just be absent. And you're kind of leaning into your own thing. And God says, no, I have, I have entrusted you. And we were just talking about this. You know, I have, these, are a, these kids are a gift from me. And this is your season. You are a parent right now in this season. These kids are young. This is, this is where we would even find ourselves at. And I can either lean into laziness. I can lean into distractedness. I can lean into work. I can lean into all these other things. Or I can choose, you know what, above all else, I'm going to take care of my responsibilities. But above all else, I'm going to be present in the season that God has appointed for me right now. And I'm not going to choose to do my own thing. Some other seasons that might be your season You might be in a single season, and you don't really like that you're in a single season. And I was thinking about this, that maybe you're in a single season, and instead of becoming the person that God wants to form you into for the spouse that he'll bring you one day, you've just decided that you're just going to live it up and do your own thing, and when that day comes, then you'll make the shift. And you're not embracing the season that you're in. And God says, maybe I'm trying to do something Like I've appointed this season in your life right now so that I can work on you right now so that you can become the person that I want you to be and they can become the person that I want them to be and then I can bring those two people together who have been seeking me and they can have a successful thriving marriage. Maybe, Maybe it's a single season for you. Uh, Some other ones, maybe it's a season of new things in your life. Maybe you've had a job change or a career change or there's been something that has shifted and you felt like the Lord is shifting some things in your world specifically and you're struggling to embrace and God's saying, no, I'm trying to take you into another season. I'm trying to, like, this is the season where I want you to be stepping into this. This is the season where I want you to be doing this. And God's trying to take you into that, and you're struggling to embrace it, and you're fighting to embrace it. Or maybe it's a season where you need to go to battle for your marriage or for your family, for your kids, or whatever the case might be, but you're too distracted or you're too upset by how things are going on or you're, you know, you're, you're playing the victim card or you're instead of entering into the season and say, you know what, this is the season that I'm in right now. This is the appointed season and the appointed time time for me right now and instead of playing this card or doing this thing or doing my own thing I'm going to step into what it is that God has placed before me right now and here's here's the thing it was the appointed 
it was the appointed time for kings to go out to war, and David decided to do his own thing, which led to another thing, which led to another thing, which led to another thing, which led to him facing things in his life that he was really never probably meant to face. And it was because there was a season where, where God had said, hey, this is the season where kings go, out to, go lead your people into battle. But he chose to stay back and send everybody else out. And I feel like I came to tell somebody today that you need to be present in your season. Solomon, who was David's son, would even say it this way in Ecclesiastes 3. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. He says this, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost. A time to keep and a time to discard. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. He says, to everything there is a season. You're, you enter into, like you were in a single season, and then you got married, now you're in a married season. Things look different. You had some kids, now you're in, you have young kids, and in this season, I've got to step into this season. I, my career just changed, I've got to step into this season. And I've got to embrace this season. I need to be where it is that God wants me to be. I've got to be present in my season. Be present in your season. We can even see in the life of Jesus. I love looking at the life of Jesus because he's our example. And it seemed like Jesus was, even when it didn't make sense to everybody else around him, he was always at the right place at the right time, and his timing was never off. And people would question his timing and question, but he was, he was so in tune with his Heavenly Father and getting away to pray and, and, and being led by his Heavenly Father that he was always at the right place at the right time. Oh, this is, this is where you're leading me right now. He would get his guys together and say, hey, we need to go. We're supposed to go here. This, is, this has been appointed. Now we're supposed to go here and we're supposed to do this. And we can live our lives the same way. Embracing the season that we're in and being present in the season that we're in and not just making the decision to do our own thing. So be present in your season. Here's point number two. Don't cover up. Don't cover up. Um, David wasn't where he was supposed to be selfishness sin negative consequences all of these things came about he's seen Bathsheba he slept and sinned with her and then we pick it up in verse 6 and this is what it says at this David sent orders to Joab send me Uriah the Hittite so Joab sent him to David when Uriah came to him David asked how Joab and the troops were doing with the war then he said to Uriah go down to your house and wash your feet so Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king followed him but Uriah slept at the door of the palace with all his master servants he did not go to his house. And David was told, Uriah did not go home. Haven't you arrived from a, a, a journey, David asked Uriah? Why didn't you go home? Uriah answered, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my master Joab and his servants are camped in the open field. How can I go to my house and eat and drink and sleep with my wife? As surely as you live and as your soul lives, I will not do such a thing. Stay here one more day, David said to Uriah, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited Uriah to eat and drink with him, and he got Uriah drunk. And in the evening, Uriah went, went out to lie down on his cot with his master's servants. 
but he did not go home. The next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. And the letter he wrote, put Uriah at the front lines of the fiercest battle, then withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and killed. So as Joab besieged the city and assigned Uriah to a place where he, where he saw the strongest enemy soldiers. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of David's servants fell and Uriah the Hittite also died. How many of you know that in the midst of what David had done, he wasn't where he was supposed to be, which led him to see something and do something that he wasn't meant to do. And in the midst of that, then he decided, well, you know what I need to do? I need to cover it up. So he says, hey, go, go, get, go get her wife or her husband and bring him to me. And he thinks, well, he's been gone for a long time. When he comes back, he'll go home. And then everybody will just think that this is his child. That it's not my child and we can cover it up. And he doesn't do that. He does the honorable thing in that time. He doesn't do that. And David's like, well, why didn't you go home? He says, hey, this is what's, this is what's going on. And so I can't, it, it would not be right for me to go home while all of these other men and these people are out here fighting this battle. And David says, okay, well, let's, okay, plan B. Why don't you stick around for one more day, just one more day. I just want to give you another day off from battle. And so he invites Uriah to stick around for one more day. And he gets him drunk and he thinks, okay, if I can get him drunk, then he'll go home. And, 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 and he'll sleep with his wife. And then this will all be covered up and nobody will be the wiser and he doesn't do it. So then David's like, okay, plan C. Plan C, I've got it, I've got it. So he gives Uriah a letter to give to Joab. And Uriah has no idea that he is carrying the letter that would kill him. And he takes it to Joab, and he gives it to Joab, and, and, and the instruction from David was to put him on the front lines of the battle so that he will be killed. I tried to get him to do this, and I tried to cover it up that way, and I, then I will stick around for one more day, and plan B didn't work, so plan C, we just have to get rid of him, because I know that this will be better if we just get rid of him so that, we, that there won't be any issues here. And then I can take her as my wife and everything, you know, we can, we can just cover it up. We can cover it up. I was, I was thinking, I don't know how many of you remember this or you did this when you were a kid. Do you remember laying in bed and, and something would terrify you, something would scare you, or the, the electricity would go out, you know, whatever, or you think there's something in the closet, come on somebody. And what would you do? A lot of times you're laying in bed and you'd be like, because if I just cover up, everything will be okay. If I just cover up, Maybe it'll all go away. If I just cover up, maybe the monster that's in my closet won't come out of the closet. You know what I'm saying? We thought, we thought as a kid, well, if I just cover up, everything changes. And that's not the case. And David tries to get Uriah to do this, and then he gets him drunk and tries to get him to do it again. And then he says, you know what, we'll just take care of this, and here's plan C. We've got to send him out so that he can be killed, and then I'll take her as my wife. And we read on, that's exactly what David does. He tries to cover it all up. And I was thinking, don't we have a tendency to try to cover it all up ourselves? We find ourselves in a place that we didn't mean to be in, or we made decisions that got us here, and so we're trying to cover things up. We try to cover up our insecurity. We try to cover up our sin a lot of times. We try to cover up bad decisions that we have made that have led us to the place that we're in. And two primary ways that I think we try to cover it up. There are probably more than this, but two primary ways that I can see that we try to cover up things in our lives are with blame and excuses. 
I can blame somebody else or blame it on this situation or blame it on what happened to me or blame it on how I was raised or blame it on, or I can make excuses. Well, if this hadn't happened, well, if that hadn't happened, well, if I hadn't been here, well, if they hadn't said that. And I went back all the way to the beginning of the Bible, to the beginning of everything in Genesis chapter 3. And many of you know this story, but I want to read it today so that we can get it in our, in our hearts today. Then the man and his wife heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the breeze of the day. And they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They have just eaten of the the tree that God said, hey, you can eat of any other tree that you want. Just don't eat of this one. I want you to choose not to eat of that one. And we see that the enemy comes in, the devil comes in, and he deceives them, and he lies to them, and they believe a lie, and they walk into sin in their lives. And then verse 9, but the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? I heard your voice in the garden, he replied, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Who told you that you were naked, asked the Lord God. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man answered, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, and I ate it. He, he says to Adam, what have you, I love how he goes to Adam first because he's the man. Hey, you're responsible. You're the head of this whole thing. What is this that you've done? Well, it was the, it was the woman that you gave me. Everything, and I was picturing this in my mind. I was thinking, it's almost like Adam's thinking to himself, everything was great as long as it was just me and the animals. But it was the woman that you gave me. It's her fault. You did this, and then she led me to do this, and then he looks to the woman, and she's like, what was the serpent that deceived me? And here's my point in all of this, is that even in Genesis chapter 3, we see blame, and we see hiding. They are hiding from God because of what they've done, and they are blaming each other and even blaming God for why they did it. And David... (laughs) comes up with plan a and plan b and plan c and finally uriah is dead and he takes bathsheba to be his wife and he thinks that all of this and you can go on and you can read the story it did not turn out the way that you think it might have turned out everything was not okay and we're not going to read the whole story for the sake of time today but it was there, there were things that david had to face because of the decisions that he had made and so as i was thinking about this i I'm not even saying, this is not even a message to say like, well, you have some huge thing in your life that, you know, that you've made decisions about and this has happened or whatever. And that may be the case for you. But for a lot of us, we just haven't embraced where God has put us. We haven't embraced our marriage the way that we're intended, we're supposed to. We haven't embraced parenting the way we're supposed to. We haven't embraced the new things that God's trying to do in our life the way that we're supposed to. And because of decisions and us trying to do our own thing, we find ourselves blaming and making excuses and, you know, maybe even things like this. You haven't been present in your marriage, and so there isn't the intimacy that there once was, and so you begin to blame. Well, you know, if, if, if you're just not making me feel loved, or the kids are taking more priority than, than I am in the marriage, or it's my boss's fault because he's always making me work late, or she's always making me work late, and so I just don't have the time to invest in our marriage. And so we begin to put a little blame here, and put a little blame here, and put a little blame here, and God says, hey, can we work on you? Can we work on you? Or maybe it's 
Maybe it's this for you that you haven't been present in consistent time with the Lord and having a quiet time and reading the Bible and spending time praying and so you feel overwhelmed and you're not sure what's going on in your life and so you begin to make excuses. Have we, haven't we all done this? I mean, there is nobody, if, if we were just to say, hey, everybody, raise your hand if you've made excuses as to why you can't spend time with the Lord, we would all be like, okay. Right? Like, well, the kids just get up so early, and so it just gets into my time, and I don't have time to do it. When I get home, I'm so tired, and so I just don't have the time to do it. Well, if I didn't have to work late all the time, then I would have the time to do it. And we just, it's because we... We don't want to deal with what's going on inside of us, and so we want to just put a little blame here or make an excuse so that maybe it'll cover it up, maybe it'll make us feel better, maybe it'll change things inside of us, and it really never does. And so I feel like the Lord would have me tell you today, stop, stop trying to cover all of those things up. Stop, stop blaming, stop making excuses, stop hiding from God. You've made decisions. Come on, here's the great news today is that the God of the universe who sent Jesus to die for you, he sent Jesus to die for you while you were still a sinner. And God is not surprised you, that you have made that decision or that you weren't present in that season or whatever it is that's going on in your life. It did not surprise God. And God is, you do not have to hide yourself from God. We don't need to be hiding from God and blaming and making excuses and trying to cover things up. David tried to cover it all up and hide it all, but that's not what we're going to do. Adam and Eve, they hid and they blamed and there were excuses, but that's not what we're going to do. And here are just three quick things before we move on to the last point. If you find yourself in a place that you didn't want to be or that you didn't see yourself being in one day, or you just have maybe it's decisions that you've made along the way, you weren't present where you should have been. Whatever the case might be, here's what I would say to you. Don't hide from God. Run to God. He's the, he's the only one who knows the end from the beginning. And we're hiding from the one who is the one who can help us. Don't hide from God. Run to God. Here's another thing. Don't blame others, but take ownership. I made that decision. I know I shouldn't have done that. It's got me in a place that I don't want to be in, but I'm not going to hide from God. I'm going, to, I'm going to run to God. And here's the last one. Don't make excuses. Start making progress. You, you can't always go back and change everything that's happened in the past. But from this moment forward, you can make the decision, I'm going to be present in this season. From this moment forward, you can say, you know what, instead of, instead of looking at everything that's going on around me or everything that's from my past or things that I cannot change, you know what, I, from this moment forward, I'm going to begin to make progress. I'm going to begin to make progress in my life. So don't cover up. And then here's the last point and the last thing I want to talk about for just a few minutes is that repentance is the solution. Repentance is the solution. Uh, many of us are intimidated by the word repent. And the word repent is an awesome word. <laughs> and we've talked about this before, but it simply means, hey, change your mind. You've been going in this direction. You've been thinking this, about one, uh, this way about something. You just need to change your mind. Jesus, we mentioned this a few weeks ago. Jesus, the, one of the first things he said as he was beginning his ministry, he said, hey, here's what I'm calling you to do. Repent. Repent. In other words, change the way that you've been thinking about things because now the kingdom of God is here. I'm going to show you the Father. So change the way that you've been thinking about things. Repent. That's what the word repent means. And I love, if you go on and you read this story in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, 
You see that Nathan the prophet, he shows up and he, he talks, you should really go read the story. He talks to David about, about what, he's, what he's done and he comes and, and the Lord has given him this story and he tells David this story and David's like, that's a terrible story. That person, that per- there should be something terrible done to that person. And Samuel's like, you are that person. Or not Samuel, but Nathan. You are that person. I, this story I'm talking about is you. And what, is, what does David do? This is how David responds if we jump down to verse 13. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. The Lord has taken away your sin, Nathan replied, and you will not die. Is anybody thankful today to be a New Testament believer to where Jesus has already come and he has already paid for all of your sins, past, present, and future? That when you put your faith in Jesus, you're covered by the blood of Jesus and you're saved by grace through faith in him and all of your past and present and future sins, are already there's already forgiveness for you. You just have to receive it. Jesus has already done everything he needs to do so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be in right standing with God. I'm so thankful that we live on this side of the cross and that we have the full picture and that we know what it is that Jesus did for us. But David still had to face some consequences for his decisions. But I believe it was his confession, it was his repentance that began the process toward him experiencing a new life. And this is the same King David that even, even though this was a part of his story, that he was called a man after God's own heart. This is just my opinion. I think that he was probably called a man after God's own heart because God looked and saw, Here, here's somebody who's not perfect, but that will allow me to use them. And in situations where they have messed up, they'll repent and they'll... Okay, let's start making progress. I'm, I should not have done that. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my direction. And I'm going to follow Jesus. That's who David was. Many of us read the, if you're like me, you like reading the Psalms because, you know, there are some highs and there are lows. And sometimes in the same Psalm, there's a high and a low and another high. You know what I'm saying? Like, we see, we see what people were really going through. And what I love about the Psalms is when you get the context of when the Psalm was written. Because Psalms is a, a book in the Bible of itself. But it coincides with instances and things that were going on in these people's lives. And so you see that Moses was experiencing this or this had just happened. And so he wrote this down. David, this is what he was going through. And so he wrote something down and we have it recorded in the Psalms. And David, in this circumstance in his life, he wrote Psalm 51. And this is what he says. I want to read just the first part of it to you, most of it, but, but not quite all of it. Psalm chapter 51 Starting in verse 1, David has just been through all of this, made these, you know, wasn't where he's supposed to be, led to another thing, led to another thing, led to another thing. You know, Nathan has come to him and said all these things, and he's got a repentant heart. And this is what he says, starting in verse 1 Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving devotion, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me clean of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Does this sound like somebody who has a repentant heart? I, this is a person that says, I know what I've done. And so I'm, 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 I'm asking you for your forgiveness. I need to receive your forgiveness today. Because I know the decisions that I've made. 
Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be proved right when you speak and blameless when you judge. Surely I was brought forth in iniquity. I was sinful when my mother, was, my mother conceived me. Surely you desire tr- truth in the inmost being. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. And I love this because he has this repentant heart and he goes through this and he's talking to God and he's writing these things down and then it kind of shifts and he says it this way. He says, then I will teach. If you'll do this for me, I know that you will forgive me and you will set me right and you will, you will create a clean heart in me and a right spirit within me. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will, will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You take no pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. I want to bring the worship team back. I was thinking as I was reading this back over the last couple of weeks that there are some older songs that you may have, that you may have sang growing up in church that are based in this psalm. And you may not have even known it. But here's David, who's just been through something, decisions that he made, wasn't where he was supposed to be, was doing his own thing. One thing led to another thing, led to another thing. And then at the end of it all, he has this repentant heart, and he's saying, God, I have sinned against you. I have done what I shouldn't have done. I have not been intentional in this way. And I want to focus in on verse 10 for just a moment, and then we'll wrap it up today, where he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And the word that... that we have translated in this as create is a word that can actually mean to shape. And then the word renew is a word that can actually mean to repair. And I love this visual because David is saying, I need you to shape my heart. I've sinned against you. I need you to shape my heart and I need you to repair. I need you to repair me on the inside. I have gotten off. I've gotten distracted. Come on, we can, you can fill in the blank with whatever it is for you. I've, I've been lazy in this season of my life, and I need you to shape my heart again, and I need you to renew a right spirit in me. I need you to make me new on the inside. I need you to repair what's going on on the inside. And David was writing, and his desire was for God to shape his heart and to make him like new. And I want to, I want to, I want to end in this way. I truly believe this is a, when we read through this, this story, I mean, this is a heavy story. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff hidden here that if you've lived something similar to this story, I mean, that's heavy. And that may be, there may be something in your life that, that feel, I mean, we like to weigh sin, don't we? Like, well, this sin feels a little heavier than that sin or whatever, but to God, sin is sin. And as humans, we're like, well, at least my sin's not as bad as their sin because I know what they did, right? And, that, and it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of heaven. God's not, God's not weighing out sin like, well, whose sin is worse than the other? God's saying, no, I want your heart. And so there are some of us in the room today that, 
that there, there's something significant in your life that you're thinking of right now. And then there are others in the room today that it, it, it is something like, hey, I've, like, I have a spouse and I have not been investing in my marriage like I know I should be. And I have not been present in this season that God has appointed in my life. I have kids and I have been distracted and I have been gone and I have been, you know, and I have not been the leader and building a foundation, forming a foundation in their life at a young age. Like I have, I have had a career change and I have been upset about it and I have been playing the victim card and I have not liked it from day one and I have not embraced the fact that maybe this is a season that God has me in for a particular purpose. I don't, I don't know where this lands with you. I know that this can land in a hundred different places with a hundred different people. But I just felt like what I was supposed to tell you today is that from this moment on, you can begin to be present in the season that God has you in. And if you have, been, if you have found yourself in a place where you are trying to cover up, where there's, there's blame in your heart and there's excuses in your heart and there, you know, all of these things and you're, you're trying to cover it up. And here's what I think the Lord would say to you. It's, it's not covering it up. It's repentance that's the solution. So from what we would consider the smallest thing to the biggest thing, God says, if, if you'll change your mind, if you'll repent, if you'll repent, and like what David wrote down and, and have this heart that says, God created me a clean heart, like shape my heart again. I've messed up. I've gotten off track. And I need you to shape my heart. And I need you to repair what's going on in here. I need you to repair what's going on in here. Then here's what I know about the God that we serve. He is good and he is faithful. And just like he did for David, he can do for you. And you don't have to live in guilt, and you don't have to live in shame, and you don't have to live in condemnation. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're feeling condemned about something, that is not from God. That is from the enemy. God says, hey, all I, if you'll repent, turn your heart to me, turn your life to me, begin to follow after Jesus. Then you can be on your way to making progress in your relationship with the Lord. And today, the Lord's just saying, hey, will you turn around? Will you turn around? From the smallest thing to what we would consider the biggest thing, just, just change your mind. Turn around. Repent. Repent. Will you stand to your feet today? I'll go ahead and bring our prayer team down. And I just want to end by giving all of us the opportunity. Maybe it's about this specifically. Maybe there's, there's something that you know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about as, as I've been, been speaking this message. And there's something that came to your mind and you're like, you know, that... I haven't been present in this season. I haven't been intentional in this season. I've been trying to cover up with, with I've been trying to blame circumstances or other people or make excuses about, well, this is the reason why. And God's saying, hey, today, will you just, will you give that to me? Will you repent? Will you change your mind? And will you surrender your heart to me? And will you allow me to shape your heart, to repair your heart? and lead you and guide you as you follow me. I think the Lord has an incredible invitation for you today. And it's not to put guilt on you, and it's not to make you feel condemned, and it's not to make you feel shameful. There's a loving God in this room. 
who is calling out to you today, just saying, I just want your heart. I want your heart. Will you surrender your life to me? Will you just turn around from this point forward? Say, you know what, instead of making excuses, I'm going to start making progress. I'm going to start following Jesus. And for you today, that may be, that may be the fact that you've never, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today, you know, you know right now, you know it. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. And He's been working on you. Listen, it's the best decision you could ever make. Is the best thing you could ever do is to come down here when we sing this song and just tell somebody on this prayer team like I know I'm supposed to surrender my life to Jesus today I know it and allow them to lead you in a prayer or there are some of you here today that you know from the smallest to what we can would consider the biggest I, I just need to repent I need to turn around I need to I need to start following Jesus again I've gotten distracted, I've gotten lazy, I've gotten off, and I want to get back on course today. So Lord, today we thank you for your word, thank you for the opportunity to be here in this room. Lord, we believe this is a divine moment. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, even those that are watching online, that you are speaking to right now. Lord, that we would make the decision. We're going to be present in our season. And we're not going to try to, to cover anything up or blame or make excuses or even hide from you, God. We're not going to hide from you. We're running to you today. We are running to you today. And for those of us in this room that just need to repent, to just change our mind, change our direction, begin to follow you Lord I pray that that we would make that decision today and Holy Spirit I pray for every person in this room that needs prayer for anything in their life as we sing this song I pray that you would draw every person who needs prayer to come and receive prayer in Jesus name Amen